Hello and welcome to another Christian Faith Radio Hour shortcast. This is David Campfield and I'm recording this on Thursday, April 27th, 2023. If you look at my website, thechristianfaith.org, or if you're on the mailing list for the emails we send out, you know that lately I've been focusing a lot on the judgment that we as the believers in Christ are going to face when we stand before the Lord. Of course, the Apostle Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. He says, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the reason I've had some feeling to do this is it just seems so few believers today have an adequate conception of what this judgment upon the believers is going to be. There's so much stress today regarding uh, the free gift of salvation, God's free free grace in saving us as sinners so that we're forgiven and our eternal destiny is secured. Well, praise the Lord for that. That's true, and that's a wonderful truth in the Bible, in the New Testament. Once you believe in Jesus, your eternal destiny is secure. But we have to keep in mind, as the believers in Christ, after this age, before the age of eternity, there will be the 1,000-year reign of Christ on the earth. That's called the millennium. That's what Revelation chapter 20 talks about. And even though our eternal destiny is secured, what we may speak of as our millennial destiny, that is not secured by our believing in Jesus Christ. That's secured depending on the type of life we live on the earth as believers in Christ, how we follow Christ, if we produce a profit for him, so to speak, as servants of the Lord. If we are approved at the judgment seat of Christ for the kind of living that we lived, had on the earth, then we will enter into the 1,000-year reign of Christ to reign with him during that millennium and to feast with him and with his fellow believers. But if we fail to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord, if we don't follow the Lord, if we waste our life here on the earth, then that 1,000-year period may very well be a time of discipline and suffering for us. And there's so many warnings throughout the New Testament about this. But because of the overstress, as I say, on the teaching of free grace, so many believers just brush those warnings aside. They just ignore them. They pretend like they're not in the New Testament. Or they try some way, uh, just twisting themselves into pretzels sometimes, if they're Bible teachers, to say, well, that can't apply to a real believer in Christ. Because all they see is the matter of whether our eternal destiny is secured or not. They don't see this matter of the reward and discipline of the believers in that 1,000-year reign of Christ. And the result of this failure to realize how we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and how serious that judgment may be is that so many believers today are so complacent and so casual and careless in their Christian life. It really uh, does so much to frustrate the Lord's testimony on the earth. And, And Christians, they just don't take their... Uh, responsibility as Christians in a serious way because of this view, everything is on the side of God's grace. But there's another side of the truth that we need to see, and that is the side of the believer's responsibility. And a lot of what I'm sharing in this podcast is in a, uh, a note that I just sent out called By Parables and Plain Words. I list a number of the verses uh, in that email uh, that talk about this other side of the truth. And I I sent out a number of other emails recently about the parables of the talents and the minas that also deal with this. But what I especially want to focus on in this shortcast is what is the outer darkness? Because if we're clear about that, then I think our eyes will be open to see just how serious uh, the judgment is that we believers may face when we come before the judgment seat of Christ. 
Now, the first thing I want to say is what the outer darkness is not, and that is it is not the lake of fire. So many uh, believers, even Bible teachers, when they come across this term in the New Testament, they just make an assumption that it is the same thing as the lake of fire. But there's nothing in the New Testament that indicates that these two are the same thing. One is called the outer darkness. Another is called the lake of fire. Why would you think they're the same thing? In both places, it's true, there is the weeping and gnashing of teeth. But all that indicates is that these are both places of suffering. You can't say, therefore, they're the same thing. And there simply is nothing in the New Testament that says these are the same thing. So we should not make that assumption. So now let's look at some verses that begin to show us what the outer darkness really is. Matthew 16, verses 24 through 27, says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Who is the Lord speaking to in these verses? Well, it tells us in verse 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples. This is a word to those who were already following Jesus. It's not a word spoken to unbelievers. The word to the unbelievers is at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, repent for the kingdom of the heavens. That's the Lord's word to the unbelievers. Here he's giving a word to those who are already following him. And as Christians, we should be for sure, we should be those who are following Christ. We shouldn't just be believers in Christ. We should be his followers, his disciples. But here the Lord says, if we want to follow him, the way to do that is to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him, as he says. And then he gives us the incentive for doing that, because he knows that's not easy. He says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And then he goes on in the the remainder of those verses, he says, that's going to happen when I come back at the end of this age, in the glory of my Father and the angels, and then I'll reward each one according to his works. So at the end of this age, The Lord is going to come, and at that time it will be decided whether or not we will gain our soul or lose our soul in the coming age. That's what these verses are saying. And again, this has to do with the question of where we will spend the millennium. Whether we'll be with the Lord in the enjoyment of the Lord's grace in that time, or whether we will suffer during that time. Well, the Lord gives us a couple of examples in the remaining chapters of Matthew of ones who will lose their soul in the coming age, as he says in Matthew 16. The first one is in Matthew 22. That's the example of the man who went into the wedding feast without a wedding garment. So the king comes into the wedding feast and he sees him without the wedding garment. So in Matthew 22, verse 13, it says, Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and the gnashing of teeth. And then the second one is in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. And that's where you have these three servants who are given talents and one of them fails to produce a profit. So in Matthew 25, verse 30, again, the master says, Cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. While many Christians and many Bible teachers 
because they have these blinders on that tell them that the lake of fire and the outer darkness are the same thing, they feel, therefore, these ones who are cast into the outer darkness have to signify unbelievers. But if you take off those blinders and you realize the lake of fire and the outer darkness really are two different things, then it becomes very obvious it's talking here about real believers. How could you say that someone who gets into the wedding feast does not signify a genuine believer? Somehow an unbeliever sneaks into the wedding feast? I don't think so. The second one, the servant, he's a servant just the same as the other one. So the master never calls him a false servant. He calls him an unprofitable servant. So these, really beyond any question, do signify genuine believers who are cast into the outer darkness when the Lord comes back. So then we have to ask ourselves, if that is the case, then what is the outer darkness? Well, if you get a concordance, and you can do this yourself, and just look up this term, the outer darkness, what you'll see is it is only used in the Gospel of Matthew. And to be more specific, it is only used in direct connection to the kingdom of the heavens. So to understand what the outer darkness is, we need to have some concept of what the kingdom of the heavens is. And in this short cast, I can't say too much, but I will link to some notes below. Uh, one is entitled, What is the Kingdom of the Heavens? And the other entitled, uh, Just What is the Outer Darkness? But very briefly, the manifestation of the kingdom of the heavens in the next age, in the millennium, will be the sphere, the realm in which the overcoming believers reign together with Christ and with one another and feast with the Lord and with one another in the enjoyment of of the kingdom as the reward for faithfully following Christ in this age. And once we understand that, and understand as well that the outer darkness has a direct relationship with the kingdom of the heavens, then the term basically defines itself. It is that realm of darkness and suffering and weeping and gnashing of teeth that exists outside the manifestation of the kingdom of the heavens, where the defeated believers will be disciplined for a period of time, possibly for the entire 1,000 years of the Millennial Kingdom, before being brought back into the enjoyment of Christ and the enjoyment of the blessings of salvation with Christ and with their fellow believers for eternity. That, in a nutshell, is what the outer darkness is. Now, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of further details about what's going on in the outer darkness for that 1,000-year period. But what we do know is it is a place of darkness, it is a place of suffering, it is a place of the weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's what we do need to know, to have some concept of just how serious a matter it is going to be for us as the believers in Christ to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Don't believe the lie that, that simply because you believed in the Lord Jesus, there can be no more problem between you and the Lord. That's not true. This matter of the outer darkness shows just how serious a problem there can be. And that's why I want to warn my fellow believers about this and encourage them, all my fellow believers in Christ, to be much more serious. Don't just be a believer in Christ. Be a follower of Christ. Be a disciple of Christ. So that when you, he comes, he can say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we should hope for. And that's what we should seek for in this age so that we enter into the enjoyment of the Lord in the fullest way in the manifestation of the kingdom of the heavens in the coming age.
Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Christian Faith Radio Hour. For more resources, you can visit thechristianfaith.org, which is my website. If you'd like to receive my e-letter, just click on the subscribe link there and enter your email address. And to connect with us by email, just send us a note at notes at thechristianfaith.org. Until next time, may the Lord keep you in His way for His sake and His glory. In Jesus' name, amen.